Hello and welcome to Move the Live presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today. Take advantage of our promo code 444. Receive a risk-free $1,000 bet. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by Connor Allen. Connor, uh, managing the technical difficulties on the back end today. How are we doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Just, you know, living life. Uh, the Dolphins are on a five-game win streak. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, like, I feel like finally alive for the first time at any point in the season. Yeah, the uh, that uh, getting ready to show that dolphin tramp stamp that you have. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the good probably. news is that they're on by, so there's no, not going to be any like uh, photos of me like photoshopped over some dolphins like fat guy or you know some some of those tats. I mean, it's, it's always good. It's always it's always good. Uh, well, I'm sorry that they're not on. We'll skip them this week, but we'll uh, excited to break down the rest of our. So this is our last week of buys here, uh, week 14. Excited to talk. From a betting perspective, with our friend from PFF, it is Ben Brown. Ben, what's going on, buddy? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I was, I was actually, you know, kind of thinking back a little bit, and four for four was uh, the first site that I ever subscribed to or paid money to uh, to get fancy content. So this is definitely a, a pretty great moment for me personally, kind of in my overall journey. So I definitely appreciate you guys having me on to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, NFL Week 14 action here for sure. So awesome. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Ben, if you are not familiar with, is uh, all things betting over at uh, PFF. You want to get college stuff. You want to get NFL. He is a uh, – the bag is deep uh, with Ben. So we're excited to uh, to unpack week 14 here. So uh, if you are listening or watching over on YouTube, wherever you are, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe so you don't miss a show. This is, again, the Wednesday game-by-game game breakdown on Fridays. Uh, Connor and I are joined by our boy Prop Stars to uh, take a deeper dive into the prop market. Uh, we do that around uh, 7.45 Eastern every week. Uh, and then, again, we really appreciate it if you hit the show notes here. You can check out how to get a sub over at 444. Be like Ben. You know, pay for some good content. Uh, 444.com slash plans. You can get some uh, discounts. We're, again, rounding up to the end of the year here. But we do still have NBA coming soon. We've got PGA coming back before you know it here uh, in January. Lots of good content. Lots of great stuff in the works here. Um, some tools on the NBA side that are very similar to our NFL offering, which we are very proud of too. Hopefully even some college basketball stuff too. I think we have uh, some an appetite in our Discord for that. And we want to make sure we give the people what they want. I know Connor is going to dip his toes into the college hoops uh, waters there. So I uh, yeah. for that. The uh, the niche player props. Uh, I mean, Ben was talking about it before the show. I think you know, college football, college basketball, you can make bank. Like, if we think that NFL player props are easy, like, I mean, imagine the other sports that these guys are like literally not even paying attention to. There's like lines that are up that are just like, you know, guys who don't even like play anymore will be lined to like 80 yards. Hey, well, yeah, they, they, uh, you muted yourself unintentionally, I think there, but yeah, you're right. Uh, we're, we're gonna take, we're gonna take advantage of the player prop market. I don't think that the player prop market is easy per se, but I do agree that there's definitely, uh, you know, those little niche markets I think are, are softer. We want to make sure we're taking advantage of that as well. So, all right, gentlemen, week 14, four buys, Connors, Dolphins, the Colts, the Patriots, and the Eagles have the week off. Uh, favorites came back a little bit last week. Uh, dogs had been barking a lot. We've been talking about that a lot recently. You know, dogs just winning outright on the money line. Um, really was pretty even last week. Uh, outside of the Vikings, uh, most of the big favorites handled their business. Uh, Vikings continue to find ways to play to the level of their competition uh, and do what the Vikings do. But uh, let's jump into the week slate here. We'll start in Kansas City. We have the Raiders. On the road in Kansas City, uh, Kansas City laying nine and a half here. 48 and a half is the total over at win. Again, everything we're going to use here is uh, a win bet number. We always recommend you shopping to get the best of the number. Um, yeah, first matchup for these clubs was a bit of a springboard, you could say, for the Chiefs turnaround. They have now won five straight. Uh, they're eight and four, very much in the hunt for the top dogs here in the AFC. I do think it's still okay to admit, though, this is not the same team that we've seen in the past three seasons. They are inconsistent offensively. Defense has improved, but again, they had really nowhere to go but up. They were essentially a bottom three unit in the league. For the Raiders here, offense continues to sputter. They've been really bad outside of that Thursday Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys, Ben. Um, Darren Waller not practicing today. We don't really know what to make of it, but uh, talk to me about this game. Obviously, nine and a half, ten in the division. 
even though this was kind of a blowout last time, is, is pretty rich. But what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, definitely. I do think it is interesting. You kind of brought up, you know, the previous performance from the Chiefs. And I do think it depends on, you know, what 2021 version of the Chiefs are we buying into here? Is it the one, you know, that struggled to cover against the spread here for like the first nine weeks of the season? Or are you going to buy into their, you know, most recent performance uh, kind of where they've been able to put teams away, haven't really had, you know, too much issues Deep offensively, I guess, you know, outside of last week. So I kind of lean a little bit in the Raiders direction. I do think, you know, PFF's uh, betting modeling in general has been high on the Raiders. It looked good to start the season. Obviously, some outside factors and situations have happened where uh, their season kind of got derailed a little bit. But I do expect them uh, to kind of be competitive in here again, kind of like they were last year. I do think it's going to be because uh, Derek Carr is able to uh, potentially exploit uh, the Chiefs defense deep going to have to get involved, you know, Deshaun Jackson, those sorts of things does hinge somewhat on Darren Waller's availability, but I do think he's kind of uh, going to be locked in and loaded here. So I like, I like the chiefs at nine and a half. I also think it's going to uh, maybe play under, but uh, I haven't been too inclined to bet any chiefs unders here, especially recently. So. Yeah, Connor, it was, it was cover two, cover two, cover two. And then the Raiders decided cover we don't do cover two. We're just going to run our cover three stuff. And again, it kind of gave life to the chiefs offense a little bit. Do you think that we see something similar here? Uh, what do you think here in the division? Yeah, I think something worth noting is the the total in this game. So it opened up at like 49, 49 and a half, was bet all the way down to 47 at one point, now all the way back up to like 48 and a half. Um, so that's kind of been bouncing around a little bit. But I think that at Arrowhead, like this is a little bit of a tougher spot than it could look like for the Raiders. I think normally in, you know, rematches of divisional games, we tend to lean under. Um, historically, those are lower scoring games. But um, this Chiefs and also this Chiefs defense, I mean, after opening up the season, allowing 29 or more points in each of their first five games, they've allowed more than 17 points just once uh, since then. Uh, they've allowed nine, nine, and seven points to the Packers, Cowboys, and Broncos in their last three home games. And then now you have a Raiders team that after their bye, who has you know looked awful outside of one good game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, they scored just 16, 14, 13, and 15 points in those games. And also in one of those games was blown out by the Chiefs. So I think that at nine and a half, I probably lean towards the Chiefs uh, just because I think that the Raiders are, uh, you know, legitimately bad and that that one Cowboys game is a fluke. Um, but, you know, for me, it's it's tough to it's tough to really back a team like the Chiefs played so bad for, you know, such such a long part of the season. And then now we're just supposed to believe in a second divisional game that they're going to also, you know, play as well. So for me, it's probably just a stay away. Uh, maybe lean under on some totals, though. That, that's what I would say. It feels like too many points. Just, yeah. Right. Like it just does. But at the same time, like. It's to me, it's almost Raiders or nothing, to be honest. And I don't have, I just don't have it in 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 any trust in the Raiders. The Raiders were a nice, easy, under twenty four and a half team total cash last week. Um, I I also just don't buy in the Chiefs like defense being like it, there's right. it, it just I think has been matchup based more so than like schematically um, anything that we really want to. Uh, take home here but i mean i think they probably win it's a teaser leg if that's something that you're into i i don't think that the raiders go here and win again like they did last year but um yeah it seems like too many points but uh hey this is part of the discipline we need to have is that we have a crap ton of games we don't have to bet on all of them uh we get to talk about all of them we don't have to bet on all of them uh josh jacobs props i want to watch here to be uh just circle back his yardage prop is out, and I think it's okay. It's like 57 and a half. But with uh, Kenyon Drake out, um, he was basically like an every down player last week and had a massive spike in passing down work. So there might be an opportunity in his – I think the market might be a little short on his his passing work here. So that would be something that I'm going to take a look at in the prop market when that emerges. Move on to the next one. Uh, we have the Seahawks on the road. In Houston, Houston getting seven and a half at home, 41 and a half is the total here. Uh, it took three San Francisco turnovers and a 73 yard touchdown run on a fake punt. But the Seahawks finally showed some signs of life last week. They are looking to win back to back games for the first time all season. And it looks like we got Connor's boy Davis Mills back at the helm for the Texans. Um, Russ, negative. Completion percentage over expectation in the three games since returning, but he was back last week, completed 81.1% of his passes, completion percentage over expectation of 14.2%, which was really nice to see. And he's kind of made his mark doing that for his career. So obviously it felt like he was rushing back when he came back and was just inefficient and inconsistent. The Texans really never showed up last week. I don't really know why we'd expect anything different from them here, but again, seven and a half on the road, Pete Carroll, knowing he wants to just basically give the ball to 
you know, 39-year-old Adrian Peterson Ben over and over again. Uh, this feels again like a lot of points, but I don't know. It's the Texans. What do you think, buddy? Right, definitely. I mean, it is the lowest total of the weekend. I do think 41 and a half. So uh, most of, you know, like the betting miles, those sorts of things, probably going to lean just with the regression factor in toward the over. Uh, but I agree with you. I think I think last week uh, the Texans against the Colts averaged like negative 0.5 EPA per offensive play. So they were basically like dumping half a point every single offense play that they had. I think only 10 offenses have done that so far in 2021. So not an offense that I really want to buy into. This is probably a spot where I am uh, just avoid, avoiding everything entirely. Or I do think uh, the Seahawks are probably, you know, one of the safest teaser legs uh, of the weekend. Of course, they could easily cover the spread as well. And that's not necessarily what you want to target in the teaser market but you know at seven and a half crossing three and seven i do think that is uh really enticing if you do have another uh leg to potentially add but other than that i'm not i'm not interested in a whole lot in this matchup unfortunately yeah that's kind of my lean here connor anything jump out to you in this matchup no i i really wanted to play you know our under king davis mills you know the under on his passing yards but uh i couldn't do it i mean the seattle's defense is just like pretty much middle of the pack in most metrics and like uh, I mean, I at least kind of want to like a top 10 team if we're only going to get 217 passing yards. I mean, like if Davis Mills went into the fourth quarter of one of his games with 90 passing yards and wound up with like 300 like two, a couple weeks ago. And that was, I mean, it was devastating. But uh, I mean, beyond that, I think that you guys did a good job laying it out here. If there's some sevens, I like I like Seattle at seven. Um, it, I, I mean, I think that beyond, you know, getting lucky on the turnovers and the, the punt return, their offense at least looked functional uh, in some aspects, which is like, they looked lost, you know, for the weeks prior. Like, Russell Wilson looked like he couldn't even complete a pass. And now it's like he's getting healthier. Uh, the offense is kind of starting to find their way a little bit at least. Um, and I think this could be a good spot for them to you know, take another step forward back to what we imagine, you know, we're what we know Russell Wilson to be, which is an efficient quarterback and, you know, DK Metcalf and and Lockett to kind of, you know, be dominant receivers. So I think that at seven, you could, be, you could definitely make a case for the Seahawks. Seven and a half is a little bit tough. And as to Ben's point, great, great teaser leg, I think. Yeah, no, I'm there. Same thing, like the Texans team total has been a nice, you know, short week in and week out. But again, like here, we're talking about a Seahawks defense that's, uh, we just don't have a lot of faith in 32nd in passing success rate allowed. Um, you know, even Davis Mills might be able to, uh, to piece together some drives here and there. So it might have to be a stay away. All right, next one is interesting. Dallas is on the road in Washington. Washington is catching four. Seen some four and a halfs out there as well. 48 is the total at win. Felt like the NFC East race was over back in September, but uh, not so fast. Looks like the Washington football team is in this one four straight. Defense is playing better despite losing Chase Young for the year a few weeks ago. Taylor Heineke is balling out. Uh, dating back to week nine, he leads the league in, uh, we referenced it often, the EPA plus completion percentage over expectation composite score from Ben Baldwin's site. Um, and by a fairly large margin, like Taylor Heineke is like crushing his completion percentage over expectation alone is 11.6%. Um, Dallas back in the win column against the saints last week, Ben, but, uh, I don't know. They needed four Taysom Hill picks. The offense has been kind of all over the place, but dealing with lots of injuries and stuff. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, definitely. I, I I do kind of like Washington at plus four and a half if you can get it. I do see mainly plus four from what's being offered uh, from my perspective, but I think I think Washington is kind of interesting here. Our our you know PFF simulation actually kind of likes them too uh, as a little bit undervalued in the NFC East uh, division race. So maybe if you want to get uh, really frisky here, plus six fifty uh, for Washington, I think. Uh, maybe maybe a decent play instead of you know like buying into them on you know the money line market at plus 165 because obviously they win this matchup that's going to shift heavily uh, but I do lean in Washington's direction I think it's mainly because uh, Taylor Heineke has performed way better way better than expectation right I think he's been PFF's uh, highest graded quarterback over the past four weeks played really well uh, in a number of matchups doesn't look like anything close to the journeyman quarterback that everyone kind of has him labeled as. So I buy into this a little bit. I do think Terry McLaurin is going to make some plays in the passing game uh, as well. And I think, I think Washington might be a little bit of a, of a live dog here uh, facing off against their NFC East rival. Yeah. Uh, Connor used the same splits that we used for Heineke week nine. Cowboys have had a negative EPA per play offensively a negative 0.6. Um, that would rate them as the sixth worth offense in the league over that time frame, which again, Lots of injuries. You know, we've had the Dak stuff. We've had, you know, COVID with Amari, CD Lamb, you know, all that stuff. Tyron Smith missed some games. But, like, 
a Washington football team preseason Undertaker gif going on here with some of our preseason bets here. Are we back in this a little bit? I mean, God, imagine if we get bailed out by Taylor Heineke, you know, just totally backdooring and uh, with zero of our analysis correct, you know what I mean, compared to oh, yeah. like, heading into the season, we're like, oh, top five defense, Ryan Fitzpatrick's an upgrade, like all this stuff. <laughs> and now it's like been a bottom five defense for half the year. <laughs> Taylor Heineke's just crushing, you know, it's, it's, I mean, what a world. Uh, I mean, I think I think they're live, though. I think that they're close enough and that they're definitely live here at home. I think that this is, like, I expect everyone to be on the Cowboys just because they're really not ready to accept the Washington's actually been playing pretty good football. I mean, they've already proven that they can beat a good team in, the, in a team like Tampa Bay at home. I mean, they got a little bit lucky in the game with some turnovers there, but um, – I think that they're actually – they're a little bit underrated in this spot. So if you're able to get like four and a half, uh, I, I lean Washington here. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, that's the spot to go. Yeah, a four and a half is is the call too. And to like Ben's point as well, I think you can wait a little bit because the Cowboys are always such a public team. We could see this get steamed a little bit as we get closer to the weekend. You could see a four and a half pop back out there, which would be, be very interesting. And, again, remember – when we're dealing with these dogs, especially at home under a touchdown, like hit this money line, you know, plus 150 or so, it's probably going to be in that in that market. Like I think that that is worth a look here. Again, these teams are probably closer than what we expected them to be a couple months ago. Uh, but again, I don't think it's totally baked into the number currently in the market. So what I like to do with that one. stuff is like uh, put a unit on the spread and then like half a unit on the money line. Um, so you get like rewarded a little bit extra, you know, if you really like it, if you really think they're going to win outright. Just so that way, like if they do cover but don't win, you know, you still kind of get – you still profit a little bit. Uh, and you're not like fully out on them, you know, like whatever, missing a last-second field goal and losing by two. Like, you know, the amount of times that that happened to me for me to learn to do this uh, has been far too many. <laughs> Good advice, though. All right, next, uh, Saints on the road in New York against the Jets. Jets catching five-and-a-half at home. We have a 43-and-a-half point total here. Ah, yeah, this one's kind of gross. I mean, the Saints surprised us all a few weeks ago when they beat up, uh, you know, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay at home with Trevor Simeon at the helm. And then they've subsequently lost five straights. Now they are traveling into New York. The Jets are kind of the elixir for all that is going wrong. Very soft landing spots to get back on track. We don't know what's going on with Taysom Hill, uh, dealing with a little bit of that uh, finger injury that plagued Russ earlier obviously we just talked about Russ like that was a, a legit injury that was a problem uh, we're not dealing at the same starting point for Taysom Hill from an efficiency and accuracy standpoint so that could be a problem here uh, but again the bookmakers are telling us that it really doesn't matter who's at quarterback this number is still out there on the board which I always find interesting they really just don't really give a shit who's a quarterback uh, Ben what are your thoughts here yeah definitely I, I I do agree with that is interesting that is kind of like a weird direction that the betting or bookmakers have probably gone this year maybe it's because of like competition or something like that other books are obviously releasing things that maybe don't want to be the only t- only book without uh you know a number list or something like that but it is kind of a new development uh kind of having to make decisions without you know complete information stuff like that i do think that is interesting this matchup general saints i don't know, I, I i can't get on board with either side really it is uh brutal i do think 43 43 and a half if you can get under under 43 and a half that's that's the spot i do think uh you know with the Taysom hill uh, questionable status. If he is able to go, I do think we're going to see Champagne probably just try and grind out a victory against a team that has no business playing, you know, in this matchup whatsoever, even kind of being involved. So I think if Hill was healthy, we'd probably see this number out to seven. So we probably lean a little bit uh, in the Saints direction, but I, uh, I, I, I don't want to get involved on the spread here. So I think the total is probably the only, only play in that. And the only play on that one is definitely the under for sure for me. So I'm going back to the well on a Jets team total under. It is, uh, I'm 5-0 and on Jets team total unders <laughs> this year. It is one of my favorite plays. Uh, most of them have been like 17 and a half. And now we're up into like, you know, the 19 range. So all day, I know like the Saints are a team that we've talked about. Like they're just super hard to peg. Uh, defense hasn't been great, but like they are still an above average defense and one that I expect the Jets to struggle to move the ball with. Lots of injuries there, um, you know, with Corey Davis. They got running back questions. Like they're they're bringing up some dudes we've barely ever heard of here, Connor. What are your thoughts on, on this matchup? Yeah, I, th- I think that this is a tough spot. So the Jets are going to have to. I mean, they have to pass the ball kind of moved against the Saints, number, who are number one run DVOA. So, like, how much do I really want to rely on Zach Wilson passing the ball and like moving the ball against? I mean, it's not like their pass defense is bad or bad. It's just like you know, middle of the pack. Um, 
I, I just have such little faith in Wilson at this point that I, I really can't bank on this this uh, this Jets team to do that. And like a, a healthy Taysom Hill, I think this is actually kind of a good good spot if he is even remotely healthy. Jets are dead last in in uh, DVOA overall, um, and like Dallas and. They, you know, they've been up and down, but currently like top five in most metrics uh, defensively. And I mean, at worst, they're probably a, a top 10 defense. Now we're facing a Jets team who's like a bottom 10 defense. And um, I mean, Hill didn't look good last week, but at the same time, I think that, you know, obviously like level competition, you know, matters a lot. So I think that if he is healthy, that this is a decent spot to take some of his overs. I think that um, I like the Saints at, at less than six, I think is actually fine. Um and I would also like the Jets team total under here. I think that there's a little bit too much like recency bias in play here with how the Jets offense, you know, has looked, I guess, reasonable uh, in recent weeks. And, you know, the Saints didn't look that good. Um, I mean, I mean, reasonable, like, you know, expectations. The Texans, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's the point. Like, you know, they weren't playing a real defense, so. Yeah, I, this is, I had nothing for the Saints for the rest of the year. Like, do not let me do it. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't. Like, I, yeah, I don't think we've won a Saints bet, so maybe I should just bet the Jets. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I can't. After the Falcons loss at home, that was kind of it for me. I'm just like, what? Well, you know, I, yeah. I Matt Ryan, no Calvin really just rinses the Saints defense. Just <laughs> abysmal. It was rough. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. Uh, Atlanta on the road in Carolina. Carolina minus 343 is the total here. Yeah, last time we saw the Panthers, they were getting absolutely undressed by Connors Dolphins. It was really one of like the worst performances by any team all season uh cam newton's performance was the worst that i've seen uh from a statistical standpoint ever maybe he had a negative i just i really want to like make sure that we get this because i know sometimes listening to numbers is really hard it's not necessarily aesthetically pleasing he had a negative 42 and a half completion percentage over expectation that is by far the worst i have ever seen you like rarely see the 20s you occasionally get into like the high teens, but like negative 42 and a half is abysmal. He completed like 23% of his passes. Um, he had a negative, he had an EPA per play of negative 48, uh, 0.48. Again, like they're losing a half a point every time he takes a snap, essentially. Uh, not, not good. Now they're coming back out of the bye. No Christian McCaffrey, no Joe Brady, um, who was allegedly fired for not establishing it enough. So, you know, the Panthers in the first matchup, uh, it was a 19-13 barn burner. Uh, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold combined for 275 passing yards. That was the debut of Stephon Gilmore, who they just kind of locked down on Kyle Pitts. Again, second time in the division. Connor's already highlighted this. We have a few of these. Now we're outside in Carolina. I, I love under 43 here, Ben. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, definitely. You guys, you guys brought me back to maybe my favorite bet all season was that Panthers uh, Dolphins matchup. I did have the Dolphins. Thankfully, it did. That was one of my uh, best winners on the game spread. I would say for the entire twenty twenty one season. So I, ha- I had to have it fading Cam Newton. I think I'm going to fade Cam Newton again here. Uh, I do like I do like the Falcons a little bit plus two and a half plus three if you can definitely get it as well. And I do think they are a, a decent teaser. Like I'm just not buying into. Uh, Cam Newton, especially without, you know, like you mentioned, Joe Brady. I'm not excited to see, you know, Chuba Hubbard pounded into the, the, you know, Panthers offensive line 30 times here. So I'm taking the Falcons. I do think uh, Matt Ryan still has a little enough juice left to beat up on a Panthers team that I don't think is very good here. So uh, I'm going with Atlanta plus plus three, plus eight and a half, plus if it's it's two and a half. So I think think those are probably my two favorite bets here uh, in this matchup. Connor, that must have been fun for you to watch. We really didn't get a chance to talk about it. I mean, you loved it. Well, maybe hard because you're such a cam stand, but that was that was that was rough. I was. I mean, I think that any like I think there were some like uh, takes on old episodes that uh, need to be deleted. Uh, you know that like you know I, think I have that, all the files. And, yeah, those those need to be just deleted permanently because I mean he looked so so bad, and I I, I can't imagine what we're gonna see now. Everyone like. Everyone assumes that the Panthers were going to be sharp because uh, David Tepper and everyone, like, you know, like everyone just resorts to butt hedge funds, you know, like that's like, you know, but he, you know, controlled a bunch of people's money. Like that's like, you know, like that's like, it just doesn't make sense anymore because now we've seen him just consistently make like terrible moves. We also had a lot of doubts actually heading into the season about, you know, Matt Rule and being like, okay, well, college coaches, like the greatest college coaches consistently fail at the NFL level. Like, you know, I mean, we're seeing it right now. Like Urban Meyer, one of the best college coaches of all time, or like at least in recent memory, you know, is just terrible. Like he's awful. 
in the NFL. Now a guy like Matt Rule, who's, yeah, he turned around Baylor and Temple and like, those are great things, but like, what has he done for, what is he going to do in the NFL? Like that's, that's a big, big step for him to be good. Um, and now we were seeing like, he's not happy with where they're at now because they want to run the ball more without Christian McCaffrey. Like none of this makes sense. I, I'm very comfortable fading the Panthers here. They're going to be trotting out Cam again. I think under on pass attempts for Cam is great. I think that, you know, under on, on the game total is great. Um, and this Falcons, I mean, I'm not comfortable laying the three with the Falcons, but I think that it's, or, uh, laying, you know, uh, taking the three with the Falcons, but I still think that um, I still think the under is the way to go just because the Falcons offense has been so up and down. Maybe we take an over on the Panthers rushing attempts team total. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm interested to see what those come out at. Yeah. I mean, is that right? I mean, they, they obviously want to do it. We know Cam is, you know, predisposed to running on his own anyway. Passing the ball did not work very well last week, uh, last time he played. So maybe they do that. That's kind of all these reasons that I think there's 43 is too many points. So, uh, both these teams are are rough. The Joe Brady thing is so weird to me. I I can't really, I can't believe that that's it. I can't believe it just comes down to not running the football. This dude is pegged as like a, just a lock head coach in the next three years, and then just kind of uh, on the bye week, it just kind of gets dismissed. Uh, there's something there, and again, I I don't want to be conspiracy theory dude, but there's just there was something going on there. It just doesn't make any sense. I know PFF had him graded very highly from a, like a play caller yeah. standpoint, and rightfully so, right? right? I know that that LSU offense was incredible, but yeah. like they did some, they were doing some stuff that they hadn't been doing previously until he got that job. And, you know, you have to think that he had something to do with it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? Like, is it just a weird thing? Yeah, it is a really weird thing. I do think it was, you know, more so conflicting personalities. I do think it's probably uh, more negative in Matt Rule's direction, at least, you know, from our perspective, because like you said, Joe Brady, Really, really, really strong play caller. I know that's, you know, in some ways difficult to nail down and measure that, you know, we have some ways of doing it with like EPA based uh, play calling decisions in, you know, based on like down and distance and those sorts of things. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a weird situation. I do still think Joe Brady is a legitimate, uh, maybe not head coaching candidate in the NFL, but he could probably go to almost any college that he wants to be and be that head coach. I do think he could easily get an offensive coordinator position at the NFL level uh, as well, and then still work up to that head coaching position if that's what he wants to do. So I think it's more a reflection on probably needing to bury uh, the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule specifically. And I think, you know, the overall direction of this team is just uh, not not too exciting with, you know, the decisions that they made in the offseason, you know, moving on, getting Sam Darnold, kind of thinking he's the answer, and then obviously finding out he's not anywhere close to it, bringing Cam Newton back. So it's it's a lot of panic decisions from a team that I think is just has no real direction right now, and I think uh, Joe Brady might just be a reflection of that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten to deal with now Teddy Bridgewater, Sam mm-hmm. Darnold, and Cam Newton as his starting quarterbacks. I mean – yeah. I, I, what do you expect him to do? Like, you know, like what, how, how is he going to turn that into a top 10 offense? Like he can't, you know, like right. maybe like, I think at some points they were like an average offense with Teddy. Uh, and, you know, early on in the year, the Panthers look offense looked okay. Uh, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect much more. And with McCaffrey out for, you know, right. I mean, 90% of the, the, that tenure. So. Right. And I, and I think the McCaffrey thing is maybe part of the reason, right? Like Joe Brady was never a guy that really got, you know, at least, pounding the football, those sorts of things. Had Clyde Edwards there uh, at running back at LSU, more along the lines of a pass-catching role uh, in that particular offense. So I think uh, having the best player be a running back doesn't fit his scheme whatsoever, and it probably just wasn't a good fit, good fit from the get-go uh, for him to probably go to Carolina. And it sounds like uh, both of them, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, probably knew it before uh, the rest of us did. And I think, you know, kudos to Joe Brady because I think he's going to be uh, in a better spot here pretty soon. It's going to be hard too when you're like the coach and then everyone's just really like courting, passively courting your offensive right. coordinator. Right. And the offense isn't really performing. There's probably just a little bit of like, we all have a little bit of ego. We all are dealing with that a little bit where you're like, oh, like I'm the guy. Like right. He brought me in. I brought him in, you know? So I'm sure at a certain point that, uh, that, that kicks in too. All right. Uh, I'll move on to the next one. One of the least appetizing games on the slate, probably Jacksonville on the road against the Titans. Uh, Titans are laying nine and a half at home. 44 is the total for this one. Titans limped into the bye, loses a back-to-back games against the Texans and Patriots, both in fairly convincing fashion. Hosting Jacksonville here is a great way uh, to come off the bye here in the December stretch. 
Um, as far as active talent, though, on game day, depending on what happens with the Titans in the next couple of days from an injury standpoint, like these teams are probably fairly close just as far as like who's lining up on the field. I don't have any interest in anything here, Ben. Um, nine and a half is way too much for, I think, this current iteration of the Titans. And man, I, I don't know, like every week we're teased by Jacksonville in the points and right. they just get bum rushed every week. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, definitely. I don't want any part of the spread with either side. I definitely agree with you. I mean, the injury situation with the Titans, uh, I did expect more from Jacksonville in the preseason. Uh, You know, obviously they haven't shown it whatsoever with Urban Meyer. Kind of at the helm, I did think, you know, Trevor Lawrence would be better than what he has, but I think he's like uh, either the second worst or the worst PFF passing grade uh, from a starting quarterback right now. So not the year one uh, from that perspective. So they're a team that I just cannot buy into either. Uh, maybe there's something on the total, but I don't know. This is one that I don't even want to bet on because I don't even want to have to acknowledge is actually being played here on Sunday. So we'll see. What do, what do you got for me, though? I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. No, so. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, we reference this as the corner TV game. You know, I, I don't know if there's like if there's nine games in the early slate. I hope this is the one this that doesn't the make the Octobox like just kick it <laughs> out of there because it's just gross, man. Connor, do you have any any thoughts here? I know we're like Ben. It sounds like Ben maybe. Doesn't want to admit like we did. We had some Jags preseason, you know, right. AFC sell oh. tickets because it was it was like eight and a half to one, and like we didn't like anyone in this division. And the roster, talent wise, like it's a young defense. You think maybe Trevor steps in and is decent, and then it just kind of all falls apart quickly. Right. Yeah. I'm. 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 I'm feeding my family with closing line value on Jacksonville <laughs> futures tickets here this this next season. So that's pretty much all I got going for me. Yeah. I got. I got some twelve to one kind of early oh. on and stuff like that. But I mean. It doesn't pay the bills still when it closes <laughs> at seven to one or something like that. But yeah, it's, uh, I definitely Newton would be a millionaire. Money. Newton would be a, a millionaire if he could pay with closing line. Uh, yeah, I, I I just crush it, uh, and then uh, <laughs> then the games get played, and then uh, like... you know we do it all again. So, uh, uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, so this actually opened above 10, uh, you know, our, one of our friends of the show, Adam Chernoff tweeted out, he's like, I'm taking Jags 11 and I, I don't know. I was asleep at the wheel. Uh, you know, that's a number that I would definitely play for the Jags, even though I think the Jags are gross. I'm not going to watch the game anyway. So just, you know, turn it off and hope, pray that they cover, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that you guys laid it out here. The, the Titans in the last two weeks have lost to the Texans and were just boat raced by the Patriots. Um, I mean, and as you mentioned, like their talent on the field at this point is not, not a whole lot better than Jacksonville. So like, I don't know. It's kind of tough for me to really back like a, a Titans team here at nine and a half, um, depending on who they trot out. So I, I think that at 10 points, I would be consider taking Jacksonville nine and a half or less, which it seems like it's trending towards like eight, maybe close around there, eight and a half. I'm probably staying away. The thing that I'm frustrated seeing with the Titans is they've gone back to what we saw early in the season from like a play calling standpoint, like the play action stuff has dissipated with Derrick Henry outs. They're, like 24th in the league in, in play action rate since he's gone down. And I get obviously that the threat of, you know, Dontrell Hilliard is very different than the threat of, but you still got to do it. And it, we know just, it's just what works really well for Ryan Tannehill. And like, again, it isn't as effective when he's, you know, throwing to all whatever is out there lining up and is not AJ Brown and not Julio Jones. But um, yeah, I mean, we know that that's what works and you could do that really with any running back. You don't have to have running backs running well. We know that the play action game just naturally works. So to even kind of go away from it uh, is part of, I think their problem here. So maybe they come back, maybe they did some self scouting here in the buy and they come back and they get it right here down the stretch. Cause again, like their schedule is super soft and they are very much here in the mix as far as one of the top teams in the AFC. So like they can stumble ass backwards still into the top seed or still until like a top three seed just based off of schedule. So be definitely I mean, an should, interesting team to watch. Yeah, this I think this would be, will be a great like off season case study of like, you know, does a running backs like specific team, like does a running back impact a team's like play action success? Because I know there's been like the studies have been done before and it's like been no relation at all. Like it doesn't, hasn't impacted at all, but now it's like, you're taking going from Derrick Henry, like a league's like elite running back, the best, you know, pure runner maybe, you know, top two pure runner in the NFL. Now you're getting like Dontrell Hilliard, you know, Deonta Foreman and whatever Adrian Peterson was there for a little bit. So like going from like a top two to like, you know, maybe the worst running game in the league. So I don't know. It could be interesting to kind of like isolate, but again, obviously the injuries come into play with 
Julio and AJ yeah. Brown. You know, the obviously also this, not threatening. Though the problem with the study is that they're actually they're killing the sample size, which is the problem, right? We're going to be yeah. naturally be working with a small sample size. It's not even the effectiveness of it; it's the lack of even attempting it is the issue, right? We're just they're just not doing it as much anymore. So maybe like, they think that it matters, and then they're not doing you know, it bunch of donkeys Vrabel thinks it matters, so. <laughs> yeah totally totally well you know Vrabel you know I think Vrabel is a better coach maybe than we thought he would be coming in because <laughs> he definitely is like you know what you would perceive to be a hand in the dirt kind of broski you know like old school like the fan he's a patriot um but, you know I think they make some pretty you know sharp decisions on right. game day in the moment so yeah maybe there's something to that but uh yeah, I, I don't know I agree uh, I- yeah, I actually, I, I kind of do agree with Vrabel being better than what I think people um, give him credit for. And I mean, a lot of it is his aggressiveness, right? And especially going for it on fourth yeah. down and those sorts of things. So he kind of makes up for it. Obviously, you don't want to be too aggressive, but being aggressive in those situations does get you the majority of the way there uh, in a lot of situations. So I agree. I think Vrabel's maybe a little bit underrated as uh, an NFL head coach here for sure. So I'll always love him. Patriots forever. All right, next, uh, Baltimore on the road in Cleveland. Cleveland is a two and a half point favorite at home. 42 and a half is the total at win. Obviously, the Browns have been very Ravens focused of late. They had a uh, week 13 bye, which is sandwiched around back to back games in the division here against Baltimore. Uh, this time they're at home. First matchup, we saw Lamar throw four picks and still come away with a win, which is a feat according to the athletic that hadn't been done in the previous 54 occurrences, which is really impressive. Uh, Ravens were short favorites in the look-ahead window. It's moved now through the zero, and Cleveland is favored by two and a half. I- I'm going to need one of you to explain that to me. Uh, I just I don't know where the any of the encouragement would come from on the Brown side, despite the, obviously just the fact that they had the buy and maybe, you know, Baltimore is coming off of a tough game in the division, but like key injuries for both teams, obviously the Marlon Humphrey injury is a big one, Ben, but like the Browns are also a mess. They have offensive line injuries that are impactful. They couldn't get anything going on the ground against them last time. Like talk to me about this one. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Marlon Humphrey is, you know, a really underrated cornerback, you know, uh, cornerback position in general kind of this weak link system so losing him uh, is probably more impactful than a lot of the things that maybe the browns are facing right now so maybe that's uh you know the direction of the spread market in general you know crossing zero doesn't mean a whole lot from a probability standpoint so maybe that's why but i i kind of like i kind of like the browns here as you know as scared as i am to say it i do think we could see you know decent performance from baker mayfield i do think you know with the bye week jarvis landry donovan people's jones you know, David Njoku as well, uh, getting his pass catchers involved. I do think that uh, they're going to have some success against a really beat up Baltimore Ravens defense. And I think, uh, you know, defensively from the Brown side, uh, they should hopefully be able to contain Lamar Jackson. If they do, they're going to have a really difficult time moving the football. So I kind of like the Browns here a little bit, minus two and a half, anything before three. Uh, and I don't mind, you know, maybe playing an under as well. I do think it's going to be a pretty low scoring you know, a fair guess from my perspective. So, yeah, second time in the division, couple physical teams for sure. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think that this should be closer to a pick 'em, but again, like it doesn't really matter. Like the like those numbers just don't. I don't. They don't really mean too much. Um, I don't know. I, I this is really tough. I, this this Baltimore defense right now is just all over the place. You know, fifth in run DVOA, but twenty seventh in passing DVOA. As you mentioned, now losing Marlon Humphrey, like it's. That's that's I mean that's a lot that's a big deal and like if we get he any matters. kind of yeah any kind of semblance of a passing game from the Browns like I mean this could be the game where you know Baker Mayfield comes out of the bye and throws for like 300 yards randomly that we just like we saw it randomly last year where he would have awesome games and right. it seemed to kind of come out of nowhere um, and I think this could be one of those spots at the same time though I think that you know this is a second rematch divisional game as we mentioned before those tend to be lower scoring but the last game we saw was 16 to 10 like uh, i mean i'm more of the thought that almost it's like the opposite of what happened last time rather than just necessarily like always lower scoring um just because you know like a team two teams that already like defended each other well last time may switch it up and try entirely new things uh and that's or just go back to trying like defensively what works but i think that this is going to be an interesting spot i i don't really have too much of a take other than just going to sit back watch maybe take some player props yeah, I like the Ravens. I, I I think the the Conklin injury is bad. I mean, they had they got four turnovers last time and still could only get ten points. And 
you know, I just don't know who they're moving the ball with. Like, I, I do think that they're gonna, they can run the ball a little bit. They couldn't really much last time either. And again, like you, you can get big plays both on the ground and through the air against this Ravens defense all year. But like from a success rate standpoint, the Ravens defensive line has been playing pretty well against the run so far this season. So like, I don't know, maybe Baker comes back healthy and that's kind of it because I, I just don't, even against like the B team for the secondary for the Ravens, like Donovan people Jones and like, I don't know. Njoko's in the COVID list. Maybe he comes back. He was instrumental with their downfield passing game last time in this matchup. Like that can't be it. Like you can't be relying on a, 13 yard a dot from your like second or third string tight end to be your main key cog in the passing offense. I just don't have, I, I just want to see it from the Browns and I haven't seen anything really in the last month, month and a half to make you feel like gosh, they're going to move the ball on, on really anybody. I kind of like the Ravens team total over. I just feel like they've been, they've been bad. And I don't know, the, like there's nothing that would make you think that all of a sudden Lamar's going to be even better. Cause he's been pretty rough for like three, four straight games. Um, I don't know, but I feel like this is a spot where they can maybe turn around and, and uh, you know, get to 21, get to 24, nothing crazy. Uh, but I like the Ravens. I like the money line here, you know, plus 130 or so. So um, I only be on the other side of Ben, but, uh, you know, it's going to happen every once in a while. It's going to happen. Uh, we got 13, 14 games. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we have the uh, Lions on the road in Denver. Seven and a half is the number here. Uh, 41 and a half is the total lions off the Schneid last week. Thanks in large part to probably just one of the worst defensive showings uh, in the last two minutes. I don't know what they were doing there. Uh, it was really rough to see uh, Jared Goff and his tiny hands now head outdoors for a matchup in Denver. One of those places that I think home field advantage still matters, especially at this time of year, uh, Denver, mostly on the back of Javante Williams, move the ball up and down the field against the chiefs. So they had multiple line long drives, finish in Kansas City territory with nothing to show for it, which you obviously can't do here. Uh, Connor, talk to me about the spot. Do you think that the emotional letdown is too much for the Lions? Seven and a half feels like a lot for a, a Broncos team that we aren't crazy about. Yeah, I mean, imagine that the Broncos are favored by seven and a half points against any team. Right? That's just like seems so incredible to me. I saw this number and was like, I get it's the Lions, but if I mean, this is actually what's crazy. This is nine and a half in some spots and seven and a half in others. Like there's a fairly big discrepancy that some books have taken pretty heavy Broncos action by people that they respect. Uh, it seems like not all other odds makers are, you know, following suit with that, but yeah, I mean, at, at nine and a half or 10, I mean, I'm not stoked, but I think Detroit's by the right side here. And on the flip side, seven and a half, I definitely think the Denver's the right side. My biggest takeaway would probably be the under. I mean, both offenses have just been so lackluster at best. And I think that the, Denver defense, I don't really know what to make of. They've had some really good games, some really bad games. Their metrics kind of, you know, tell the same story. 20th in DVOA currently on the season. And, but the issue is Detroit at 28th. Like, you know, you kind of have a bad offense, bad defense game, which we've talked about multiple times on this show. Sometimes those end up being like crazy high scoring because the defenses are so bad they can't stop anyone. Sometimes they end up being like, you know, 16 to 10 type of games uh, where, you know, neither offense can get rolling just because the offense is so bad. So, which type of game that is, I'm not really sure. I think the Broncos can have a decent amount of success, though, like just relying on Javante Williams and some Melvin Gordon. Um, so, I don't know. Probably lean Broncos at 7.5. That's the number you're getting. But I don't know if my body's ready for Jared Goff and uh, Amon Ra St. Brown uh, winning two in a row here in uh, in 2021. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree quite a bit with Connor. I do think if you've seen some nines, nine and a half, even maybe eight and a half, I, I don't mind sprinkling a little bit on uh, the Detroit Lions. All they do is cover basically eight and four <laughs> against the spread. I mean, yep. uh, you know, I didn't see anything that really impressed me from Denver's offensive performance last week against the Chiefs. I do think, you know, trying to round, run the ball into the ground with Javante Williams, I guess, Maybe that was a viable strategy if you thought you could contain the Chiefs offensively, but uh, they didn't show any, any anything on either side of the football that made me all that excited to back them. Uh, of course, you know, the Detroit Lions have one of the worst defensive units in the NFL, like you guys discussed. We have them 31st in our important adjusted grades metric, the worst coverage unit in the NFL. So if there was ever a time for Teddy, uh, you know, and that talented <laughs> receiving unit to get going, 
Uh, it has to be here against Detroit. So I kind of lean uh, towards the over, unfortunately. And I do think, you know, both teams maybe are a decent play uh, on their team total, specifically Detroit over 17. I don't mind if you see in a 41 and a half. I might, I might be sprinkling that on too. I just think, uh, you know, the lines are scrappy and they get some of these late touchdowns and things kind of get chaotic toward the end with their wide spreads and low totals. So uh, I'm going with both of those, I think, here in this matchup. I'm going to let you guys have it. Uh, maybe you can sell me on a teaser leg, but uh, there's not a lot here for me. Uh, it'll Love be a, a prop-only uh, action for this one for sure. All right, uh, next we have the uh, Giants on the road in L.A. against the Chargers. Chargers laying 10 at win. 44 is the total. We got the Mike Glennon concussion. We got Daniel Jones still dealing with a neck injury. This could be Jake Fromm season for the Giants, which likely leads the Giants to extending their streak of – uh, gaining less than 300 yards of offense for the sixth straight game. Glennon has a chance to come back if he can clear concussion protocols. Uh, either way, though, you'd expect the Giants to lean heavy on Saquon here. Uh, but there's been a notable shift in the Chargers' defensive lane, which I think has been interesting. They were basically the village bicycle uh, to rushing attacks all season, but they've tightened up a bit. They are third in rushing success rate allowed over the past month. Uh, even more encouraging in what we saw in the passing game, we've just been like, dying for them to let it loose, especially on early downs. Uh, And we saw it last week. They opened it up, more aggressive downfield. Uh, Justin Herbert, season-long average at the target was 7.6 yards. He ran 10.3 last week uh, against the Bengals, you know, in the defense that we've actually, you know, started to to garner some respect for. So uh, 10 seems like a lot, regardless of what's going on at quarterback, Ben. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Lots of injuries, lots of COVID stuff going on on the Chargers side. Yeah, definitely the COVID is uh, very concerning. Obviously, I don't really want to find any reason to back the Giants, but I do think they are they are the only player really here on the spread. I can't get involved with uh, you know the Chargers at their current price given uh, the COVID concerns. You know, Chris Harris close contact, Mike Williams close contact, Keenan Allen does have COVID. Uh, he is you know vaccinated, so he could potentially be back. But there's just a lot of things on uh, the Chargers side specifically where. I can't see them backing or, you know, covering a 10 point differential, no matter who the giants are playing at quarterback. So if I had to choose, uh, I would probably, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but I would go with the giants, but uh, I don't obviously enjoy that side of it either, but I think it's just (laughs) a little bit too wide uh, given the current state of uh, what we probably should be projecting out for the chargers this weekend. So Connor, anything early jump out to you here? I'm with, I'm with Ben. Like it's like, it's the giants. You, You don't feel good clicking that one. That would be like the Jags. You click it and you wouldn't want to watch it. But again, like just 10 feels like too many for this team. That's like, I don't think they've won back-to-back games since weeks one to week two of the season. They just, they've been really consistent. Maybe they've, you know, had some changes coming out of the bye, which I kind of talked about at the top here with like their rushing, uh, you know, rushing defense, at least how they're kind of approaching it. But uh, 10 points here, Giants, Chargers, what do you think? Yeah, I think you mentioned it, but I'm pretty, I'm interested in fading Jake from, uh, you know, I, I think that this could actually be a great spot to hit some unders on Jake Fromm. Like, you know, I, I love the the bad quarterback unders against the good, you know, secondary de- uh, matchups because those those usually flow to like he'll probably his overrun will probably be like two hundred and five to two ten something like that. And I mean, they're gonna try and run the ball and with Saquon and kind of just like keep it close. And then if there's enough Chargers, you know, COVID issues that their offense is like not destroying the Giants, then. I don't know, you know, maybe Jake, they, they kind of take the ball out of Fromm's hands. So I think that's an interesting angle. But um, other than that, you kind of got to let the rest play out. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if Jalen Guyton was a close uh, contact, but he's flashed at certain points uh, in his career. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're, you got to dig pretty deep to find some positives out of this whole thing. But I think Josh Palmer, baby. Josh Palmer, Josh, Palmer, Josh Palmer season, you know, never, you never know. <laughs> yeah, Guyton's just running. He's out there doing, you know, he's running Go wind sprints. Right. Yeah, he's just going. Uh, I think Palmer's Josh a- Paul, yeah, Palmer's a player. I feel like a little bit. He's got a nice catch, catch radius and stuff like that. Like he's definitely popped when given, you know, a decent target share in that offense. So I, I would be excited if you know they were trotting him out there. He got you know ten targets or something. We could see what he was working with out there. I think that would be uh, definitely an intriguing aspect of this game for sure. So yeah, pop him in the slot, give him some of that Keenan work. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to run Jared Cook in the slot, right? You right. know, Stephen Anderson, like. Uh, I got a million tight ends, as I'm sure is what they would do, is find a way to to work all those dudes in there. But uh, that'll be interesting to see. We have to track that one. Hard to take any um, any early action here. It's just a lot of news on both sides. 
again, I don't know that the quarterback situation matters too much for the Giants, which I think is indicative of the situation too, but uh, no need to jump on this one early. Uh, I jumped on this next one early, and I did not get the best of the number. We have San Francisco on the road in Cincinnati. This is a pick in some spots now. This is kind of oscillating between minus one on one side, minus one on the other. Um, you can definitely get the best of the number depending on what you're looking for. If you shop around, 49 or so is the total over at win. Some good, some bad for both last week. Bengals spotted the Chargers a 24-point lead. Stormed back and played pretty well. He could not survive all the turnovers in the end, though that Mixon fumble that was scooped up for a score was really the final nail there. Uh, Joe Burrow picky uh, pinky situation is obviously something that we have to watch. I think didn't really practice through the ball a little bit today, saying he's going to play and all the good things you'd want to hear, but it was obviously bothering him a little bit in the second half. Uh, again, the Niners too. It was a big opportunity, I think, to win in the division on the road and kind of solidify that back end wild card spot there in the playoffs and you know, kind of put Seattle back, uh, gave them some life, which just, again, Seattle tried to give them that game too with those, uh, you know, Jared Everett fumbles and turnovers. Not great. Um, neither team wants to lose two in a row in December, Ben. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, definitely. This is a tough matchup to project. I am, you know, excited to see if the Bengals can be successful against the, you know, 49ers defense. That is a little bit banged up. We have them as top 10 unit, but uh, I think if it's at a pick them, I would possibly lean a little bit towards the 49ers. I know I'm going against you a little bit, Ryan, there, but uh, I need, I don't know. I I don't feel great about, you know, either side of the direction of this match, but I do think it is going to be a really enjoyable game. Uh, I I would have liked to see the Bengals come back and actually, you know, go force the Chargers to go full on Chargers last week. Of course, the Joe Mixon fumble didn't work out from that regard. So I don't know if I had, if I was forced to make a decision, I would go San Francisco, but I don't feel, uh, I don't feel great about saying that here right now for sure. So, yeah, I took the Bengals at two in the look-aheads because I thought we were going to get to three because I, I right. really thought that the Bengals were going to handle their business last week against the Chargers. And really one of the things that we've seen Cincinnati do pretty well defensively is stop the run. Their second and success rate, top five and adjusted line yards defensively. And we know, all things considered, that's really what San Francisco wants to really lean on, play action off of that. And they're also dealing with a ton of injuries too, with, you know, especially the running back position. So, Again, I would kind of lean the Bengals. I don't like it, obviously, as much as I did on Thursday as of last week. Um, but, uh, Connor, what do you think here in this spot? Yeah, I think I think San Francisco, just like from a roster standpoint, is a better team. Um, but, you know, on the road, I think it's a little bit interesting. But I think kind of now as we can zoom out at this Bengals team and looking at their full scope of work on the season, like they don't really have any good wins. Uh, you know, like right. who have they beaten that's good? Uh, I mean, the Vikings, they beat an OT. Uh, we can go through this. They beat the Steelers, the Jags, the Lions. Ravens is probably their best win. Uh, I mean, a dominant win at Baltimore. They keep uh, the crap out of Baltimore in Baltimore, yeah. which is a pretty okay. good. Win. I, I mean, that's a good win. Yeah. But then the rest of them are like nothing. And then they've lost to the loss of the Browns. They've lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Bears. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. We could do I'm the not... transitive win properties with all of these teams. And we'll, uh, yeah, like, but I've been not... here all day. No, no. But I'm, you know. I'm just not sold on this team to – that they're like really that good. Like they've, they've, they have just haven't played to anyone that's like worth, worth, worth a damn. I mean, that's like, you know, I mean, they played some of them, but they've lost and, you know, like they've also lost to, to bad teams. So, I mean, I just, I'm not ready to say that they're, that they're good enough for me to comfortably bet them here in this spot is my point is that I think the 49ers are better in enough places that, um, you know, the, the, the line is fair. And that I think that I was initially on the Bengals kind of went back, looked at all that and was decided to stay away. Yeah, I, I think you guys are both right. I think it's going to be – it's probably a hard game to cap right now. Probably one of the better ones on the slate. I think it's important for both teams. Obviously, you know, different conferences, but both teams need the win for the playoff pitcher. But, uh, you know, again, not a, a great slate of games from just like a pure aesthetic standpoint. This could be a game that is is fun to watch if we can get hopefully a, a healthy Burrow. Uh, the Niners can be somewhat healthy. Um, you know, Fred Warner back at practice today. I think he's probably back. And they have questions at the running back position, but like they've been kind of plug and play at running back for, you know, five, six years now. It really doesn't necessarily matter there. They'll, they'll find a way to get it done. George Kittle's back, which is just as a football fan, awesome to watch. Dude is, is it was nuts last week. And he is so much fun. I absolutely love that crazy, crazy guy. So uh, yeah, this will be fun. Again, I, I'm, I'm dead on closing line value on this one, but maybe that's been my problem. Uh, I keep getting the best <laughs> of the number and then I keep catching L's on those. So like maybe this week 
um, I don't have the best of the number, and maybe we're good because the spread doesn't matter, right, Connor? Just get winners. Yeah, I'm not sure that's how it works, but I think that that's a good thought. I like the the reverse jinx, you know. It's all good. <laughs> I'm trying to find this Bengals uh, strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I mean, to your it's point, probably in the middle, great. but it's just like I don't know. I mean, like, eh. yeah. We got at PFF. We got a bet. They had the 32nd. So the easiest strength of schedule heading into this matchup, but oh, going wow, forward, go. going forward, they have the fourth hardest, fourth hardest strength of schedule the rest of the way. So whatever they get to find out what they're made of here over the rest of the season, that's for sure. So. Yeah, schedule down the stretch is, is hard. Yeah, uh, FBI uh, at ESPN is the same. So we're gonna defer to PFF. Oh, yes, here for sure. you have to. You have to. At least <laughs> yeah. tonight. So, <laughs> all right. This next one's going to be probably the best game of the weekend. We have Buffalo on the road in Tampa. Uh, Tampa is a three-point favorite here at home. Fifty-two and a half is the total. Uh, tough stretch for the Bills. I mean, turning around on a short week after losing on Monday night in the division, the tall task really for any club now to travel down to Tampa to do it uh, is a big ask. Uh, I think that loss really seemed to stick with Buffalo, at least with like the players and coaches alike. Like I, I think that. They really wanted that one. Made sense. Like you just saw, you don't really see some of that like pushback in the uh, post game pressers that we saw from both like, you know, some of the defensive guys and then like Sean McDermott, you know, not wanting to give Belichick any more credit than he deserves. So that was, which is interesting. Um, Bucks, on the other hand, we're starting to see maybe a little bit of what we saw last year. Again, I know we shouldn't get too excited about a win in Atlanta, but um, they won three straight here. They are kind of rolling, starting to get healthy on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I think because the Patriots ignored the forward pass, we didn't really see the whole glimpse of this Buffalo secondary without Tredavious White. And again, that, that's a guy that I think matters. And I think they're going to be tested here in a big way against uh, Brady and the Bucks. Ben, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do think Tredavious White was definitely the glue in the secondary unit. Uh, you know, Puccaneers haven't necessarily been great with no Antonio Brown, but they have been pretty good. I think, you know, Chris Godwin had what, like 17 targets last game. He's obviously going to be heavily involved. Nobody uh, from the bill side can really cover them. So I am definitely interested uh, in maybe leaning toward the over. If it's looking at 52 and a half, I'm seeing some 53 and a half. So I do think it's a spot where you can definitely, you know, do some, do some price shopping, line shopping, those sorts of things. But uh, I do probably lean more, even more so toward, you know, like the Buccaneers team total 27 and a half. I think that's that price that's, you know, under key number 28 for touchdowns, if they can kind of get there. I do think that the uh, the Bills defense might be more exploitable than what uh, the betting market is giving them credit for right now. So that's that's probably my play. I definitely agree with you, though. Game of the week uh, for me, for sure. I'm definitely excited for this matchup. Uh, NFC, AFC, maybe, maybe a you know, future Super Bowl iteration here. We'll see what happens. So, Yeah, I definitely thought this was the Super Bowl coming into the season, for sure. I've right. been surprised by this. This Bills team, but uh, still believers. Again, the Tredavious White thing I think is impactful, though. Uh, the Bills, I'm sorry, the Bucks team total over is one of my plays that I've already made uh, this week too. I absolutely love this team getting to 30. Uh, the Gronk on-off splits are pretty crazy too. Like I know Antonio Brown was uber effective when he was in there, but like what they've been with Gronk in the lineup is really impressive and good for Gronk to like take a year off ice up and come back and just ball out again. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to see. Um, yeah. Connor, what are your thoughts here? This is going to be a good game. Yeah, it should be a great game. The, I know we want we just talked about strength of schedule, but I mean, Buffalo defense is strength of schedule has just been, I mean, immaculate. Like they have played, you know, the worst quarterbacks. I mean, easily, if, if this is not the easiest strength of schedule in terms of the defense, like of who, which quarterbacks they've played, I would be shocked. This has been just like, you know, Davis Mills and, you know, the Jags and like basically just every bad quarterback they played, which I think has bolstered some of their defensive metrics, uh, you know, in, in the the right way. So I'm willing to at this point to say, like, they haven't played against a team that's, you know, you know, starting to heat up, as you mentioned, like the Bucks, and they're number one in offensive DVOA and, you know, playing a lot better as of late. Plus, now they're down Tredavious White. Um, you know, normally I'd be looking to maybe play, you know, like some unders potentially, but because, you know, I think that this, this Bills defense is good, but at the same time, like, I think that they're a little bit overrated in the, in the market. Uh, and so I'd probably leave Tam- lean Tampa at three. Um, I, and I don't know. I think the, the Bills offense has kind of looked a little out of sorts at times, uh, you know, over the last few weeks. So uh, at this point, I mean, it looks like the, the best, you know, matchup, toughest matchup for Buffalo's defense of the year. They played the Chiefs, who, you know, during their slump kind of early in the season, who were sixth DVOA, the Colts, 
who are uh, ninth and they allowed 41 points. And then, um, you know, I, I think there, there's some potential here for Tampa Bay to kind of expose the Bills defense uh, in this spot. Yeah, I think they light them up a little bit. They also didn't face any really strong running backs. And that's when we first saw that when Jonathan Taylor ran it down their throats. And last week, knowing that New England was just going to run it over and over again, I, I know from like a success rate standpoint, New England wasn't like through the roof, but like, you absolutely knew what they were doing, and they still weren't able to to really take advantage of that and stop them, which is probably I mean, that why was I think pathetic, that, dude. That was yeah, pathetic. and that's probably why they were maybe a little bit demoralized after the game because it was a, a tough one to take. They did have opportunities; they really should have won that game. To be honest, they had multiple opportunities to take advantage of that. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Every, I think yeah, literally every Madden player ever is just like, you know, run the goal line defense in the fucking fifty. You know, like just like throw all the motherfuckers <laughs> up there. If they beat you deep, they beat you deep, but they're not going to throw it. You know, like everyone, it was just like crowd the box and they were still like, you know, not rolling with the right packages. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think this Bucks team starts to get rolling. Uh, the Bills might too at some point, but I think the Bucks are going to get it started sooner than later. And if the Bills get there and catch up at the end, uh, they'll, they'll be there too. But I think the Bucks continue to, to drive this one home and are going to be uh, in that NFC championship match again here. Um, last one, Sunday night football. We have the Bears on the road. In Green Bay, 12 and a half is the total here. 43 and a half. I'm sorry, yeah, 12 and a half is Green Bay is number 43 and a half is the total. This is obviously a divisional matchup here. Uh, another matchup between team and owner, this time closer to the owner's house, which is convenient for him. Um, the Packers coming off a really convincing win against the Rams before uh, last week's bye. And the Bears are uh, probably completely overmatched here. Looks like we have Justin Fields back, cleared, and will be back under center. Um, I don't know. I'm still going to be long-term bullish on fields. I'm not sure that it matters here right now with all the things going on in Chicago and all the injuries that they have. Though laying nearly two touchdowns in the division is a, a tough pill to swallow, Ben. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I kind of like fields in the short term. I'm not going to lie here. I do. I am intrigued by the Bears plus 12 and a half. I can't believe I'm saying it. Obviously, <laughs> everyone knows Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Uh, you know, kind of it was pretty good, but uh, I think I think we're going to see some sort of response from Chicago. I can't, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit of the weather factor. Maybe uh, I think right now it's projected for like 12 to 15 mile per hour winds. If that gets worse, I do think the Bears probably have the advantage rushing the football, especially with Justin Fields at quarterback. So uh, I don't know. I think they're going to keep it within a touchdown differential probably throughout the entire game. Uh, really low total. So 12 and a half points is just uh it's a really difficult hill to climb with a 43 point total. So I'm, I'm going with the bears. I think they're maybe going to be live here uh, toward the end of the game. If they can pull it out, I'm not quite sure, but uh, this is maybe, maybe one of my favorite bets of week 14 on what seems to be a pretty ugly uh, slate of games for sure. for betting. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like it's probably 12 and a half or nothing, Connor. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of points in the division here. Uh, and we've just seen some pretty bad teams historically with Chicago hang with them. And we know that, you know, Rodgers wins in the end and he owns them and all of those things that are fun. But, like, I don't know. What do you think here? Yeah, I think Fields is volatile enough to, like, kind of, like, keep it close for a while. Um, I'm interested, though. I think some my biggest, you know, note here was that what the Bears do in terms of, like, their pass run splits and scheme-wise because – uh, and we talked about this last week, but initially, like in their first game with Dalton, they've gone like pass heavy, like quick schemes, like quick short passes. That's kind of what they designed their offense around. Then as soon as Fields got in, they tried to do it against the Browns. They absolutely sucked. And then they just said, OK, we're going to run the ball like every play. And they've kept him under like 30 pass attempts and all but one of his starts have really went run heavy. And then, you know, that was for the first few games. It started integrating a little bit more play action, a little bit more downfield stuff. Um, as he progressed and then obviously got injured. So we kind of didn't really see that fully blossom. Um, but I'm interested to, to see here, like coming off an injury, like how that kind of fits in. I think that he's still good enough to kind of be able to cover here, but, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not sure like kind of what they implement there because, you know, it seems like Nagy is still like dead set or was dead set on trying to run his system and scheme, uh, you know, which sadly doesn't, you know, is not, not the right fit for Justin Fields. Um, so I don't know. I think that at this point, I think it's probably 12 and a half or nothing. Um, probably some Justin Fields props. I'm really interested to see what those come out at. Cause I think that those could be, I mean, either way too low or, um, you know, the passing attempts could be like 35 and be like way too high. Um, so, cause I, I do think that, I do think that it'll probably be a run heavy game plan. As you mentioned, the weather could be a factor. They come in just running the ball. If they need to throw the ball, they will. But, uh, I think they'd probably prefer to rely on Montgomery. 
Jair Alexander might be back for the Packers, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And again, we've referenced a few of them here, but I do think he is one of the handful of dudes that does matter in the back half as far as um, you know some of these things go. And I, I don't know. He's pretty darn talented. You lock him on Moody, um, you know, if he comes back. Be interesting to see what happens here. But uh, Ben, you're the man. We really appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a fan of your work. Again, knowing that, you know, you're, uh, again, you're a, a Swiss Army knife for football betting. Uh, let everyone know where they can find your stuff uh, so they can uh, tag along. Yeah, definitely. So PFF underscore Ben Brown, definitely hit me up, you know, whenever you want. Talk analytics, betting, anything. I'm definitely, you know, open so you can hit my DMs. And I, you know, definitely echo what you guys say. I check out, you know, the prop stream as often as I can on Friday nights. It's one of the things I definitely enjoy listening to. I also read uh, your look ahead piece uh, every week, Ryan, as well. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, the main spot that I do try and bet the majority of my NFL games is, you know, that Saturday Yep. Sunday before the you know next games kind of kick off is when I'm you know already locking in you know for example week 15 bets here so your article is definitely uh you know something that I definitely use as like a guiding guiding point to kind of get some of my thoughts uh in line as well for that next week's slate so I appreciate all that you guys are doing it's definitely been enjoyable to see uh you know you guys grow the vertical the betting vertical at four for four and I'm you know excited if you guys you, you know want to have me back to chat some more sports but anytime just let me know so it's been fun we definitely will. I appreciate that very much. Again, a reminder that uh, we will do be be back on Friday to do the prop show. Uh, again, you could find uh, us on Twitter at Move the Line NFL. Don't forget to find Ben at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Again, uh, lots of podcast stuff, good written content over at PFF as well. So again, dig into the show notes. Again, find the links in there. 444.com slash plans to get the betting sub discounted towards the end of the year and lots of great stuff coming uh, NBA soon. Lots of cool prop tools, lots of good stuff that you're going to want to get in. So for Ben and Connor, I'm Ryan. We will see you again on Friday. Thanks, everyone.